0: tuned in to join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. And we're so honored that you would join us in the opening of God's Word. Today is going to be a marvelous day in the Word of God as Pam opens up the very pages that give us life and give us purpose. So let's join Pam now as she reveals the truth of the day. We're on lesson seven, believe it or not. We have two more weeks of our I Am study, and I hope that you have been just immersing yourself in the life of Jesus through these pages. If you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to take notes right at the top of your paper. And remember, at the end of all your lessons is a note, place to take notes for the teaching. When Jesus passes by. When Jesus passes by. I used to love to hear my little granny talk about Jesus. And that things change when Jesus passes by, when He comes on the scene. And in our study, the chapter right before this one, we're going to be in John chapter 9. Um, and we'll get to our verses in just a minute. But let me just set the reminder, the scene for you of what's just happened. Jesus has, you know, healed on the Sabbath. He's raised a man from His palate. He has fed the multitude, the thousands, with some loaves and fishes and he has created a stir. His teaching was hard and now he has, in his teaching he has said, I am. And, and it just sent them into an, the religious leaders into anger and they wanted to kill him. The people were going to kill him. They were going to stone him. So Jesus slips out of their grasp and he's, he's headed out of town. So on the heels of that, we hit John chapter nine, verse one. And so this is where we are. And as Jesus passed by, now, he's in this angry mob. Okay, I want you to understand where Jesus is. And sometimes you're going to find yourself in an angry mob, aren't you? <laughs> by the wolves. He's surrounded by the wolves. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I love that even though Jesus was hated and loved at the same time, he's in this violent situation. He sees this blind man. I love that Jesus may have been reviled, but he was never ruffled. You know, I don't know about men, for the men who are with us tonight, but women can we can get our feathers in a ruffle, can't we? And sometimes we don't need other people to ruffle them, we'll ruffle them ourselves. We don't need help in that in that in that area. But he was not disturbed by those who were his enemies, who were trying to hurt him, who were trying to kill him and destroy him. He wasn't shaken or distracted. Satan loves to throw in some distractions. He loves to throw in some distractions. And I know when I'm headed to teach or if I'm I'm headed to a women's event or I'm headed to church or to my Sunday school class uh, where I'm going to get fed or I'm going into worship. I know when God has something for me just in what's happening on the inside and in my mind well, God must have something good. I've got to, if I've got to press in to get there, if I've got to press in there to attend, then I know God has something for me and the enemy doesn't want me to get it. But Jesus was never distracted. He was never shaken. We find Him calm, self-possessed, acting with a profound disregard of His enemies and their hatred. Wouldn't you like to live that way to have a profound disregard for your enemies, for those who hate you, for those who try to hurt and and distract and, and shut down the move of God in your life or the direction that God wants you to go? Spurgeon said this, and it's not going to be on the screen because you'll take too long to write it down. One of the things worthy to be noticed in our Lord's character is His wonderful quiet of spirit especially his calmness in the presence of those who misjudged, insulted, and slandered him. I love that. Nothing detoured him from his mission. Nothing distracted him for the ministry that was at hand. It would have been easy to get so self-absorbed or so soft, you know, caught up in, in, in the self, you know, the infliction that he had just experienced by this mob that he would have missed this man born blind from birth. So darkness, let me give you this little nugget right here before we get into our points, but just one thought of truth before we launch into our points, darkness will not have the final word. It didn't have the final word when Jesus was being run out of town. They were trying to kill him. They hated him. They misjudged him. If you live long enough, you're going to be judged by others. I ought to be comfortable with it myself, but it's never fun. You just learn to to turn it off. You learn to stay focused on the need of what God has called you to do, what's right in front of you. Because Satan wants to divert, he always wants to get you over here where death will reign rather than life over here. And so he's always going to do that as long as we draw breath in this body and we're on this earth. So point number one, as Jesus passes by, what can we learn by this? The glory, point number one, the glory in waiting. The glory in waiting. And what I mean in waiting, it's not in us waiting, but there's the glory itself is in waiting. It's in waiting, like a lady in waiting uh, to to be married. But this glory that we see in this event is a glory, uh, Jesus said, It's so the works of God will be displayed in him. So the glory will come. This encounter is all about the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. And so we know from this event that glory is in waiting. It's in waiting. Because it says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Now, we don't really know how old this man was, but he was of age. We know he was a grown man because later in the story, his parents kind of put him out there. They kind of, they kind of throw him to, to the wolves. But let me give you what the word past right here means. When it tells us that Jesus passed by, past right here means to see with one's own eyes. To see with one's own eyes, to experience to set one's focus upon. So to see with one's own eyes, to experience, to set one's focus upon. So Jesus is coming out of this. He's in this rough situation, being hated by many. They're wanting to kill him. And he says, as he passed by, he sees this man. His focus, as he focused on this man, as he sees him with his own eyes. Now, this man was blind. So I want us to get an understanding right here that's a beautiful truth. And I think that you're going to need this at some point, like I will in my life. This is like a write in your Bible, slap your neighbor kind of truth. Even when we cannot see Jesus, he sees us. Even when we cannot see Him, when we can't see Him in a situation, a circumstance, a trial, a testing, a low place, when we can't see Him, He can see us. He can see us. He never misses us. We might miss Him. And and heaven can vouch. They can come to call witness against me today. I've missed seeing Him in some things. I've missed Him. Have you ever just missed the Lord in something? I have. I could raise up all fours. I have totally missed the Lord at times. And I've had a stern talking. What were you thinking? How did you miss the Lord in this? But there are some seasons of life, there are some stretches of time where we think that this situation is never going to change and we miss the Lord in it because we're so focused on the suffering, the trial at hand. Now, he was born blind from birth. Now, this was not a result of consequences. This was something handed to him that he didn't ask for. God didn't come down in the womb while he's knitting him in his mother's womb and creating him and said, Hey, bud, what do you think about you being blind? <laughs> what well, What's your thoughts there? I, I wish sometimes God would have that conversation with me. You know, Lord, I... I That'd be a little hard. I, I, I think I, I'm going to vote. I, I want my eyesight. But he doesn't do that. He was born blind from birth, which means that this situation was given to him. And he probably, listen, if he had his brothers, he would have chosen not to have it. There are things that will come into our lives, situations that we don't have a choice over. That they're just given to us. And this man had this situation since birth. This is what I know, this glory in waiting that we're going to see so beautifully, I hope, tonight with the Lord's help. That the glory of God to reveal itself is never in a hurry. And we've learned this in previous lessons. That glory, sometimes it takes a long road. It takes the long road. But glory doesn't get in a hurry. You know, there's times when Jesus' brothers wanted him to show himself. People wanted him to go ahead and prove who you are. No, no, no. It's not time. It's not time. So it's a glory in waiting. This is what I know. God's glory, God's glory has its ordained hiding places. It has its ordained hiding places. And that's not a nugget on the screen. That's just in my notes. It has its ordained hiding places. If we were to uh, go to the book of Exodus, which we're about to, in Exodus 29, when we arrive at this passage in Exodus, because I want to show you this, God is giving instructions about the worship that they should have in in the tabernacle, And so in all of these instructions he's given, I want you to listen very carefully to verses 42 and 43 in Exodus 29. And he's he's telling them this kind of burnt offering that you're going to come to the doorway of the tabernacle and offer. He says, it shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. They had to do one in the morning and in the evening. If you read the whole chapter, it was a lot at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord. Now, for those of you who were with us when we started this study, we laid all of that out, didn't we? The Jesus, He came into the outer court. And so at the doorway of going into what have we considered the temple or for them the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, to go into that holy place or the holy of holies and that doorway entrance from the court Outer court in, they were to be offering in the morning and in the evening. And he says, offer it at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where well, I will meet with you to speak to you there, the work that he's doing. And here it is in verse 43. I will meet there with the sons of Israel, with my with my children, he's saying, and it shall be consecrated by my glory. By my glory. You say, Pam, what does that mean? What does that mean? Let me give you the the word meaning for glory in the Hebrew language in the Old Testament, which is where we are in Exodus. Glory means weight, reputation, honor, and reverence. It means weight, reputation, honor, and reverence, which reverence is just a holy respect for. Like we would have reverence, we hope, for our parents, for those uh, who are of us, our bosses that we work for. And so it means weight, reputation, honor, and reverence. So he says, it shall be consecrated by my glory. In other words, this place is set aside because my glory is going to be there. In other words, I'm gonna, where I'm giving my weight, my power, where my reputation's going to be seen, where I'm going to be revered, where people are going to be able to come to know me, where I'm going to manifest myself. And because I've chosen this place to do that, it means that it's consecrated. It's set aside. It's a place where my glory can be unleashed, a place where my glory can be uncovered, where my reputation is secured, where I have weight, worth, merit before the eyes of people. You see, glory has these these places of hiding, this place where, where God will tuck it away. And with this man who is blind, this is what I know. When he was in his mother's womb, just like with you, God said, okay, these struggles that I'm going to impart to you that you would have never asked for. I'm ordaining struggles that are out of your control. I'm giving them permission to come into your life because I'm. they're going to act as a covering for my glory until I'm ready to pull back the covering and show it. Those things that we run from, those things that we tried to change, those things that we try to get rid of, that we wish that things were different. What we see here in the life of this man is they were, it was a hiding place for God's glory. It was just glory in, in waiting, glory in waiting. So the nugget right here that I want to give you is the glory of God waits to be revealed under the cover of struggle and pain. It is what sets us apart for Him. That struggle and pain is what sets us apart for Him. So it's uh, our struggles, those things that, listen, are not a result of bad decisions. It's not a consequence of sin. I'm talking about something that we have that we didn't ask for, that we had no control over. Those pains and struggles, those challenges are stewardships by heaven to us because they hold the glory of God waiting to be revealed in the perfect timing. In the perfect timing. It's seasons. It's seasons. Listen, this is good solid truth for you to have. This is good, solid understanding for us to have good, solid doctrine from God's Word. We need to be taught these things. If you're listening to anyone that says suffering is not of God, that's a lie according to His Word. That's a lie. Because this man was born blind from birth, and it wasn't because he sinned or his parents sinned. But it was a choosing of heaven to tuck the glory of God in until the work was going to be displayed. It was glory in waiting. So let me ask you a question. Right now in your life, is there something that you wish you could change that you have no control over? That's a challenge. Yes, well, I knew I'd get some amens. I'd rile you up. Yes, Pam. Yes, teacher. I think we all have those. But what if, what if that struggle, that challenge that you would just give anything to change or to get rid of? It's just God putting you in a waiting room. It's just glory waiting in the room there, waiting till God says, okay, it's time. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to let the glory come out. I'm going to let the glory come out. And that was this man... Listen, and that's been all of us in here at one time or another in our life. There are things that I have caused in my own life, and then there were things that were just handed to me that I would have never chosen, that I would have never taken. But I didn't understand in the moment that there was glory buried deep in there, that it was just God putting glory in the waiting room of it. And in time, he was going to open the door and let it out. So we know that glory, there is a glory in waiting. And point number two, we see the glory misunderstood. The glory misunderstood. You say, can we misunderstand the glory of God? Yes, we sure can. We sure can. The glory that was misunderstood because as soon as they see this man who has been born blind from birth, their immediate question shows us that they misunderstood the glory of God. They misunderstood it because they said, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Automatically, went to seeing this situation, this, this soul as something to be solved rather than to be healed. They showed no interest in helping this man, but in discussing the cause for his condition. You see, in, in Jesus' earthly ministry in that time, the religious people believed that there is no death, two things, there is no death without sin, and there is no suffering without iniquity you don't suffer unless there's sin iniquity you don't die unless there's sin that's the only reason death comes that's the only reason that suffering comes it's because of sin and this is an opportunity for jesus listen to release a little bit of that glory I'm going to give you just a little bit of understanding. The big understanding's coming, but I'm going to, it's a teaching moment for him. You see, write this nugget down because I love this about the Lord. His focus, Jesus is the his here. His focus is the condition, not the cause. His focus is the condition, not the cause of it. When we get in debates about the cause of it, we get in arguments, we get discouraged. We see God as, as someone who's punishing us rather than working in a way that we don't understand. They misunderstood that the glory of God could actually be housed in a vessel that's in suffering since birth. There has to be, it has to be because of a punishment, this struggle, this challenge I have friends. I have a cousin that's special needs. I have a, a, a dear friend that has a special need children. And one question that haunts them is, who's going to take care of them when I'm gone? And I've held many of them in my arms, crying, weeping, because they're afraid for the future. Or they don't understand, maybe I did something wrong when I was pregnant, or maybe I didn't eat the right thing, maybe I should have taken vitamins and I didn't. And we can go, maybe God's punishing me because of what I did in my, in my childhood or in my past. But you see, Jesus kind of settles that. It wasn't, be, it wasn't because of something his parents did, there's a lot of peace in that. It's not the parents' fault. It's not his fault, but it was God's choosing. It was God's choosing. Jesus, to- Jesus told them that even in his blindness, even in his blindness was in the plan of God so that the works of God should be revealed in him. This is your plan, God? But I thought you were perfect. Perfect. Everything you do is perfect. That's where we misunderstand glory. Glory is not packaged in perfect. It's packaged in a cross. It's packaged in pain. It's packaged in gravesites. It's packaged in diagnoses. It's packaged in rejection and loss and abuse, things that we would have never chosen for ourselves. And Jesus said, there's no one to blame in this. God gets all the credit for this birth. And it's beautiful in heaven's eyes. Because these, listen, this man, born with what we would call today a defect, he said, is the most marvelous gift. And it's going to be a gift to you. Because God is going to display his works in and through this man in a way that he couldn't have any other, and in any other avenue that he took or choice that he took. So it's no one's fault. God gets all the credit for this choosing. It's a marking. It's a consecration. I've thought many times the conversation that this man had when he was growing up as a little boy. Why was I born and not been able to see mommy? Daddy, why do you think I can't see like the other children? Don't you know they had questions like that? They had questions like that. And no doubt that as a parent, maybe they didn't have the right answer or they just didn't know. But Jesus explains it here. It is because God wants to work in and through, listen, even this. It's God's choosing. It's a stewardship. Something would have never chosen. Jesus pointed the question away from why and onto the idea what can God do with this? What can God do with this? 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10 says this. Well, actually, I'm, I'm skipping here, four, and then I'm going to come down. To verse 5 and 10. He says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And he says, But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of sufferings are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. And then he goes on to say, After you have suffered for a little while, the suffering has a beginning and an end. There's a time stamp. He says, The God of all grace who called you to what? His eternal glory. After you've suffered for a little while, the suffering has a time limit. The God who's called you to eternal glory, He says, in will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's a slap yourself. You ain't got a neighbor in reach. Slap yourself. That's good truth right there. Anytime someone is suffering and they feel like they've been in it, I take them right here. I take them to first Peter. Suffering is deemed in heaven's eyes as a little while, because He's called you, listen, to eternal glory, not temporary glory. An eternal glory, an eternal glory is when He is magnified, when He is seen, when He is known, when He is revered, when He is served, when He is followed with all that we have within us. That's eternal glory. God's not after a temporary work. He's after an eternal work. And this man was chosen. And listen, and so were his parents. I love this whole scene right here because it brings suffering to the surface. Listen, as a jewel, as a treasure, those things that, that we can't take credit for, that we'd have never chosen. You say, Pam, why does, he, why does he do this? Well, let me give you a nugget right here. The weaker we become, the greater the glory becomes. The weaker we become, the greater the glory becomes. Don't you know that this situation with their son, it had a strain on his parents. Day in and day out, all of his life in raising him up, and we see that he was a beggar. They raised a beggar. It was hard. They didn't know what else to do. But I love that God wasn't raising up a beggar. He wasn't raising up a beggar. So number three, this brings us to point number three, the coming glory. We have the glory in waiting. We have the misunderstood, the glory that's misunderstood, but we have the coming glory. Remember that glory is in waiting, but as it's ready to come, in the process of it coming, he says to in verse six, he said, we must carry out the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. He's talking there's going to be an end time to you being able to bring glory to God for these things in your life, these struggles, to be able to reveal who God is to the world. And he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Listen, we are not the light of the world. Some of us would do well to realize that. We are not the light of the world. It is not about us. I'm so sorry to inform you of that, but it has never been about us. We are not the light of the world. And when he said this, he spit on the ground. And this is not the first time Jesus has done this. He does this several times in different situations. He spit on the ground and he made mud from the saliva and he applied the mud to his eyes. And I'm sure this blind man saying, I do not know what has happened. I mean, it's probably a good thing he couldn't see the spit. I'm I'm sure that would have been, what what are you doing? But he couldn't see. Listen, he had to receive. Listen, by faith. That the work that God does is not based on what we can see. It's by the touch of of Jesus. Jesus' hands got this and he touched his eyes. For the first time in this man's life, the glory that's hanging out in the waiting room wakes up. The Lord's on the scene. It's time. It's time. We've been waiting all these years. It's time. His touch has come on him. His touch. And so he puts this on this man's eyes, and then he says to him, Go. And this man doesn't know who Jesus is. He hasn't seen him. He doesn't know who Jesus is. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Listen, that means sent. So he left and he washed and he came back to sea. Siloam, we know, means sent right here. The man in his struggle, I want us to see this, is still in the place of need. He was sent on his assignment by Jesus in the same condition. His first assignment from Jesus was not with opened eyes. It was not with a removed circumstance or a changed condition. And we've talked about this in our series. Sometimes we just think you need to change this. You need to fix this. You need to repair this. You need to restore that. You need to do this. No, no, no. Jesus didn't do any of those things on this man's first assignment. He didn't even tell him, you're going to go see if you get down there and wash. He didn't even tell him the benefits. The man never even asked Jesus to heal him, to give him sight. It's an unsought blessing because he doesn't even know the blessers in front of him. He can't see. And I know this much, even in those moments and those assignments, that we think, God, I can't obey you. I can't follow you. I can't say yes to that. I can't be this woman, this man Until you change me. Until this is turned around. No, no, no. Jesus sends us in those assignments because as we're going, the glory in the waiting room that's been waiting so long knows that it's our, the door is starting to turn. Every step that that man made down to this pool sent means I'm being sent by him. I don't understand it. I don't even know why anyone would rub this stuff on my eyes. And I'm sure he'd been made fun of and spit on. But you see, Jesus, we see Jesus bestowing this unsought blessing on this man. But this man, not knowing, his condition not changing, went on assignment. We often think that things have to change before we can obey the Lord. I can't go on that assignment because you haven't done this. But my eyes, I still can't see. What well, good am I. I? I still struggle with fear. I still I still am overwhelmed with anxiety. I've had it since birth. I still have this condition, God, and how can I be any good to anyone? But I was born this way, and I, I, I can't change it. There are things about myself and how I was born that I would change. But it would make me strong, and God needs to keep me weak. Because in my strength, I won't, I won't depend on Him. The glory can't get out of the waiting room, because my glory's already arrived. If it's me, if it's me, So he sends them on this assignment. I love this little story in Matthew 20, 30 and 34. And we had 11 minutes. Do y'all wonder where the time goes or is it just me? Matthew 20, 30 and 34 through 34. And, And there were two people and Jesus is in the throes of his ministry and two people who were blind sitting by the road hearing that Jesus was passing by. See, they at least knew Jesus was passing by. This man didn't know. They cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. But the crowd sternly warned them to be quiet. Yet they cried out all the more. I love that they wouldn't give up getting to Jesus. You cannot shut me up. I'm going to keep crying out the name of Jesus. And they said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. I love it. And he called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Just open our eyes. And they said to him, they moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight. It was the compassion of Jesus that sent the man on assignment to Salome, the pool of Salome, He wanted to heal the man. It's his compassion. So we don't lose compassion, the compassion of the Lord, even in these things that we wouldn't have chosen. But write this nugget down. The man's need was not to see the world around him, but to see Jesus before him. The man's need was not to see the world around him, but to see Jesus before him. Because he's sent and he comes back, listen, after he obeys. We never know what's on the other side of obedience, by the way. But if I obey God, what's this going to change? What's this going to do? How's this going to benefit? We want all the answers, don't we? You know, they had to let go of the why. Sometimes we just got to crucify why. And I have to do it daily. I want answers. I want reasons. It's just the way that our DNA, I guess our flesh, likes to know why. But when He sends us on assignment, not changing our condition, that is just pure obedience. I'm sure the man didn't feel it. I'm sure he didn't have any help getting there. I'm sure he'd made that trip probably before. But it's just sheer obedience. And it says that he came back Seeing. Let me give you what the word seeing right here means, and we have one final point. Seeing means to come to know by experience. To experience who Jesus is, in other words. To come to know by experience, to gain understanding of who one is. This man would have never come to understand who Jesus was. He would have never come to know Him by experience had he not obeyed in that weakened condition that he had. It was was the suffering, the years of suffering. He said he came back seeing. He came back having experienced Jesus on a level that he would have never had before. You see, this is what I know. That man, when Jesus said, go wash your eyes, he was in in a beggar's position. He had a choice. And here's your nugget right here. We make the choice, God makes the change. We make the choice, He makes the change. In other words, we cannot have excuses, can we? No, i got to make the choice, and He will make the change. I have to be obedient even if my circumstances, my condition hasn't changed, because it may never change. He may keep you in that place, but we make the choice. He makes the change. And our final point, point number four, the revealed glory. When glory is let out of the waiting room, and this is what we see, and we can't read all of this. I hope you are in this chapter. If not, go home and soak in this chapter, because when he comes back seeing, he still doesn't know who Jesus is. The religious leaders, people are saying, he kind of looks like that guy that was begging by the gate, but what's he doing walking around? I mean, I don't know. He looks different. Something different about him. The religious leaders, listen, they, I mean, they hound him. I want you to tell us how he did it. I'm just telling you. He rubbed this stuff on my eyes and I had to go wash it off. I'm telling you, we're going to ask one more time and you're going to get it, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm just, who is he? How did he do it? I'm just telling you. This is what he did. And then they bring his parents in and they say, tell us. How did he get healed? Is this your son? Yes, but he can speak for himself. And they just like throw the son under the bus. And the son says, do you want to be converted too? Because you sure are asking me a lot of questions about him. And they really got angry and they threw him out of of what we would call the church. They just threw him out. They kicked him out. And so Jesus comes to him and it says in verse 35, Jesus had heard that they had put him out. And upon finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And they would know what that meant. Do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in him? And he answered by saying, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? His struggle made his heart ready. And Jesus said to him, Here it is. The door is starting to open. You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. He says, You've seen him. And He's the one talking with you. And He said, I believe, Lord. And He worshiped Him. See, the glory came out. Jesus got the worship. When God's glory is revealed, when it is let loose, Jesus will always be the one worshiped. Not people, not a program, not a church, not a ministry, not a denomination. It will be Jesus that's worshiped. God's glory is pure. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 11. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Do you know that the glory was let loose when this man saw the face of Jesus? God said, I've put it there. This is where I've put it. We have this treasure, he said, in earthen containers, earthen vessels, so that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves, even though we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, We may be perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying around in our body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who live are constantly being handed over to death because of Jesus. Here it is. So that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our mortal flesh. It's always, listen, when somebody wounds you, when you go through a trial, when you have a situation that you don't have any choice over, it's always to reveal Jesus. We can choose to live by let there be light, let there be Jesus right here. Or we can say, let there be Pam and put your name there. We have a choice. We have a choice. There's been many times, and I have said this, you know, Lord, you wait right here, I'll be right back. I'm just going to handle this, my flesh. And he says, no, it's all that glory. It's all about revealing who Jesus is. So here's your nugget right here, and we'll close. We'll begin to close. He is the God who turns our sufferings into glory. I love that about our God. He's the God who turns your sufferings, my sufferings, into glory. And that glory will always reveal who Jesus is. He's the God who turns our sufferings into glory. Isaiah said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And he was right. It was Jesus. I want to close with this. The one-way missionaries, and I love this if you've never researched the one-way missionaries. In the early 1900s, the one-way missionaries were born. And one-way missionaries, it was an era of missionary zeal in the early 1900s and to, that bred this group called the One-way Missionaries, and because they were called this because when they departed to go to the mission field that they felt like God had, was sending them to, their assignment to their Salome, their assignment. They're sending by Jesus. Rather than pack their clothes in a suitcase, they had coffins made and they packed all their belongings in a coffin and they bought a one-way ticket. Because that coffin was going to be their burial box on the mission field, they would never return home. They would never return home. And one of those one-way missionaries that I have read about for years was Peter Milney. And Peter Milne, he felt called to this tribe of headhunters in the South Pacific, islands in the South Pacific off of Australia's coast. Now, the other missionaries who had gone in there had all been martyred. They'd all been killed by these savage headhunters. But Milne didn't shrink back. He knew that it was the Lord's assignment. He served in this tribe for more than 50 years and he won them to Jesus. Years some years passed and people who wanted to check on him they didn't weren't sure what happened to him. They they traveled, some family members traveled and they said we we need to check on, we need to check on Peter. We need to see what's happening over here because there's been no no word back home for a long time. And when they arrived this tribe they said we're looking for Peter Milne. Their faces lit up and They said, oh, yes, do you you want us to take you to him? And they said, yes, take us to him. And so they traveled and they took him through the village and up on this high place that overlooked all of the land that Peter had given his life to was a tombstone. It was a grave. And it said these words these people had etched in his stone by hand. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. What a testimony. This man would have had the same testimony that we just read about. Before he came, there was no light. But after Jesus came, there was no darkness. And it's all packaged up in that waiting room of glory because you see the darkness will not prevail paul wrote this in romans 8:18 8, i consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us the glory to be revealed You see, glory is hidden within our struggles in order to bring about a heart that surrenders to Jesus in all things. In all things. And sometimes we just need to obey and go to the waters that He sends us to. Sometimes our waters need to change. Amen. been listening to Join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. Here at JBOP Ministries, we're so honored that you would join us for the reading of God's Word. We pray that today's message has been an encouragement to your soul. Join us next time for Join the Word with Pam Jenkins. God bless y'all.